0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Bald Move TV podcast, the officially unofficial podcast of all of television. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. It's the, the reach and scope. Uh, I'm your host, Aaron. I'm Jim. And today we're going to be narrowing our focus yet again to a, a single singular episode of television, uh, the episode of Closer, which is the fifth episode of the miniseries Sharp Objects on HBO. Uh, Jim, what did you think of this episode? uh it's it's kind of a little
1: bit of a break uh for for sharp objects although i have to say i enjoyed it uh i thought it was effectively it it was interesting because i i knew at the end of last episode that calhoun day was going to be potentially deadly uh for for some of the young girls around i knew that it could potentially be uh tense between some of the attendees And somewhere along the middle of that, I found myself forgetting it Mm -hmm. and kind of giving in to Calhoun Day (laughs) uh, and just sort of enjoying it, Mm -hmm. even though there there are terrible things happening left and right. We'll talk about them. Right. But somewhere along the way, I forgot that. And then about the time that the play, that the MDMA or or the whatever she took Uh kicked in, Uh I started thinking, oh, no. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. I forgot all about the, the... potential for really bad things to happen right, here right. and then it all it all became very tense suddenly yes. so I, I I felt like this was a, a surprise episode for me and I enjoyed it
0: yeah this felt like a definite calm before the storm episode like yeah. this might be the last time that we get to kind of the, that the showrunners get to kind of maneuver everything into place for what I'm sure is going to be a break breakneck pace for the next three episodes Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, I too, I too enjoyed. It. I am like, I I don't know how I feel in the grand scheme of things about two Amma fakeouts in as many episodes. And, and you couldn't even get, you couldn't even watch this episode without
1: knowing that Amma was live because she's right. in the freaking screenshot on HBO now. Right, right. Uh, when you go to play this episode,
0: so like, I don't know about that, but um, and I, I really honestly don't know why they continue to ring that bell. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's so like we get inured to it. So then, when the bell finally gets rung in earnest, <laughs> we we like uh, you know, little boy, who cried wolf. It then like, oh, what's until it's you know something something truly horrifying happens. Yeah, but yeah, I thought this portrait of this town was really interesting and what it revealed about the townsfolk and kind of how uh, I thought it was. Int- I thought it was really interesting too that I read, I, I watched the kind of like the the bonus materials and they said that. This Calhoun Day thing was invented for the TV show. It wasn't part of the book narrative. Right. But it really does have this kind of, like, subtextual ability to kind of tie everything together. Mm -hmm. Um, And someone in Feedback shared with me this article about um, uh, this grand unification theory on on female pain in literature and how, like, women are kind of deified and, and, and made into goddesses and objectified by experiencing pain and debasement. Like they get transmuted into saints, um, hmm. and he gave several examples throughout, like you know history and, and, and literature. Um, and there, I'm all I'm all coming up a blank. But I, I thought it did a good job of like showing how this town, who's gripped in the middle, uh, in the midst of this, uh, you know, the, this, these murder and 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 uh, dehumanization of these two young girls, is also celebrating the like debasement and Mm -hmm. and ritual humiliation of another little girl we find out that this this uh, millie calhoun is a child bride yeah so i thought it it added a lot uh to 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 the thing and also i thought it was interesting because like i was do do you remember when like uh the first civil war reenactment came to our town not the
1: first one no but i've definitely seen one around those areas yeah i
0: I was like 15 i think when it first has so it's not like it was a tradition and like they took over the town park and they did this like over a week and you know of course like you know my mom and dad took me and my brother and sister and i remember walking and like well like this field hospital is kind of cool and like the campsites and historical information but like I was painfully aware of how fucking white my town was, <laughs> uh-huh. you know, like like 100% white. There was 100% white people participants, and I started thinking, like, I wonder what it's like to be a Confederate soldier, you know, to be, like, fighting on the really bad side of hi- the, the really wrong side of history, and, like, what it's like. And I'm like, and I, I even remember thinking about, like, well, maybe it's, like, playing a Stormtrooper, but then I'm like, but they're you know like it'd be like playing a stormtrooper if there's actually jawas around and ewoks and mm-hmm. and skywalkers that have been traumatized by them like isn't it like i even a 15 is like this is really kind of fucked up like that there's this sure. is just there's and there was very little commentary about it was all about the historical reenactment of it it wasn't and, and you know we're in a northern state there wasn't a whole lot of commentary about like the politics behind it like mm-hmm. yeah. and it's just I mean this is a much more tone deaf version of that but like mm-hmm. this shit really really does happen and um by I think everyone de- like 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 there's this part where Camille says the c word you know you you can't use the c word it does seem like there's a lot of people interested in completely divorcing this from the context which right. glorifies it
1: Yeah and it's interesting I mean the 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 discussion about you know who writes the histories mm-hmm. um and also the the separation of those ideals from the actual actions, right? Uh, there's, they kind of go hand in hand yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I I don't know. That's it, it's weird. It, it's very weird. It's a weird thing to reenact battles that were fought for uh, bad reasons.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Continually, and in you know, like I, I yeah, I, it's 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 hard for me to wrap my head around. And I thought there's a lot of interesting things, like the fact that. Uh, the only The only black woman in attendance, as far as I could see, was their housemaid mm-hmm. who is behind the scenes essentially serving all these white people like yeah. man there 's just a lot of like really uh on the nose commentary here uh but I think it 's all overshadowed by the psychological torture <laughs> that 's as bad as anything i 've seen physically on Game of Thrones mm-hmm. like like poor camille gets gets flayed alive by her sister and her mother uh-huh and her, like, kind of, like, feeble attempts to fight back and, uh, like, just just seem very childish and...
1: They are. I mean, they're, they're reactions provoked by her mother. Right. You know, like, it's, it's foolish. Like, she needs to take a step back and say, what do I want? Yes. What do I want? Not, what does my mother want and let me do the opposite. Yes. But what do I actually want to do here? Do I want yeah. to solve this case or do I want to leave? Because if I want to leave, just fucking leave.
0: Yeah. And she's got this weird thing where she i think she wants to try to save her sister Mm -hmm. but she's she's under that that desire is being undermined by her ability to lash back out like oh you're going to blow up my journalist spot well i'm going to reveal your about your other cell phone right and yeah and i I, like it it's fully understandable the behavior being displayed but it's just sad because like you can't beat this person by playing their game no And and then at the end, where she pulls like it's such a classic fucking narcissist move, where she pulls her like like she gets their victim (laughs) to completely lower their guard, Uh lower all their shields in this guise of this apology, and and I think Camille's like, I fucking found your golden child. You you owe me, and I'm going to be magnanimous about it, and I'm going to well, I'm sure you know best, and I'm not going to butt in and be like, you serious? You're a fucking psychopath. You're ruining this girl, and then adora just slashes her with the like you know that's why i never loved you and maybe you can find solace in that fact
1: and that's my apology
0: yeah fuck you lady and it's like a dual like toss-up between is that the worst thing i saw in this episode or is adora carefully engineering a situation Mm -hmm. to use camille's body as a way to further degrade camille Mm-hmm. and 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 you know say that you can never be loved by anyone you can never be close and you're ruined you're literally ruined like all these exterior scarring it's all bone deep and you're you're ruined and also i'm glad the amma saw this because this is an object lesson about what happens with right. girls who are willful or whatever it's the fucking worst man yeah no it's it's like it made me break out in highs bleed for my rectum uh, and my nipples started lactating like all all imp- possible <laughs> things started start happening in my body I, I just like I, did, I, I was I was beside myself it was like it, it's like you hear this story about these uh, these South American warrior boys who have to prove their manhood by putting in on this glove that's like has like 200 bullet ants sewed onto it so they just have this excruciating torment for 15 minutes whatever that's what it felt uh-huh. like watching these scenes like yeah. oh my god I got my hand on a hot stove I guess I gotta keep watching yeah, just, I had to put
1: my dress in my mouth and scream. Yeah, no, it was too much.
0: Yeah, it because like <laughs> Seth and I were like, la- because there's a recurring thing in uh, Lady Dynamite, which is um, a Netflix show that's kind of like this show's equal and opposite. It's like a very funny and real depiction of like mental illnesses and how they interact with family dynamics. And like Maria Bamford frequently like goes to her bathroom just screams into her sponge because she just can't uh-huh. handle the shit that's happening. And here is <laughs> like, uh, you know, something not played for laughs. Just like what? No. I mean when you saw her mother steal her clothes just so this would happen oh my god what a bitch and, and it's
1: like this whole episode I, I mean this whole series really um is about the scars that Camille bears from from you know the way right. that her mother her family is right. um and not just physical scars those are included but also the mental scars like i look at that scene where she drops the water bottle and it mm-hmm. goes into the room with the ivory floor right mm-hmm. and she even as a grown woman is just terrified to yeah. go into this room to set a toe into yeah. this room to pick up that bottle and it right. brings up all these bad memories about the time she dragged mud in there uh, and how you know Civil War era floor that can't be replaced it, it's just like th- the effect that that upbringing has had on her is profound yeah and it's, it's. I do think, like, when she says, hey, you can't get close to people, and then Emma goes out, or, sorry, not Emma, Camille goes out and tries to prove her mother wrong Right at the end, uh, that's all going to fail. Like, n- mm. none of that is healthy. None of that is good. No. Even if she does prove her mother wrong, she's just played right into her mother's hands. Right. That's all she's doing here. Right. And, yeah. and she, I don't know if she sees that. I don't know if she thinks that her rebellion makes her
0: stronger. Mm-hmm. Um. But either way, it's just, it's a bad scene for her. No, it's it's really hard dealing with these kind of just malignant narcissists. And the really unfortunate thing is, like, most people, like Camille, you hope that, like, oh, she's going to recover. Like, she's got this severe, you know, condition, and she's, she's all, uh, yeah. she's, she's um, you know, making these steps, and she's going to own the programs, and maybe she will. But, like, the thing about narcissists, from my understanding psychologically, is once you get to the pathological stage of like borderline uh, uh narcissistic borderline personality disorder there's no coming back from that mm-hmm. like there's no known form of like psychotherapy or drug treatment because mm-hmm. the very disease you have makes you resistant to getting like you you'll refuse the uh the the idea that you need help yeah and every little setback in a way will further your you know it's it's kind of like and it's like it's 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 impossible to help and empathize with these people because like one of the things that really rang true true to me because I've known unfortunately a bunch of like narcissists but when uh, Adora was like screaming for Emma at the end mm-hmm. and like. Narcissists spend their lives amplifying their emotions and to manipulate people and to get attention. Yeah. So the very few times in life where it's appropriate to show strong emotion, they just turn it up to twelve, mm-hmm. and it's ridiculous. And it you was, can't. Yeah. And 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 like a common reaction to people close to them is kind of like this bemused skepticism. Like you're a, you know, like that's when you feel emboldened to kind of like you're just a piece of shit. And that just reaffirms their worldview, that no one cares about them or that, like, everyone is as awful as they are because they've set up the situation where they cannot be empathized with. So when mm. no one then gives them that sympathy or empathy, it's just like, well, everyone's <laughs> like me. It's... Right. It's like a really, like, a 12-lock box kind of layer of bullshit that you just can't ever break through. Especially uh, with
1: somebody like Adora because she is privileged. You know, yes. That's the
0: other thing. Like, all of her
1: narcissistic tendencies are fed by this lifestyle. Right she's the center of the town you know right. she's got a ton of money she's yeah. got a beautiful house like all of these things make her feel like she's super important and right. can do no wrong yeah maybe if she were knocked down a few pegs she might have a realization like if she were homeless on the streets you know uh and had to do things to survive maybe she wouldn't feel that way but it, it, her situation is very easy on her
0: yeah hey before we get to uh, talking in depth about the episode of sharp objects i want to talk about um Uh, What's going on in Bald Move this week Uh, Tonight, this is uh, Monday uh, Or maybe it'll be Tuesday by the time you hear this Better Call Saul Season 4 is premiering And we're doing something like we did with Westworld for club members where we do an instant talk podcast. So this is like our traditional instant take where we just talk for 15, 20 minutes about the episode, like no extra notes, no research on Reddit, no feedback, just our our thoughts. And then we're going to then take that and, and open it up to audience participation in our live show. Uh, if you want to get in on that, uh, just check, uh, just just come come to baldmove.com right after the episode is over. Uh, if you're a club member, you can log in, and there'll be a link to participate to the chat, and uh, you can get right in there. We will be releasing the first part of that for everybody, but Instant Talk is just for club members, uh, which you can join at club.baldmove.com. Also, first round bald movie this week is Black Klansman. I'm pretty excited to see that. That'll be out uh, late Thursday night uh, every 4pm at uh, Tuesday. On Thursday, that's Eastern Standard Time, we will be uh, on twitch.tv slash bald move, playing some video games and hanging out with the chat. If you uh, are interested in either of those things, please come by, twitch.tv slash bald move. We released a Life is Strange bonus episode from Before the Storm. Uh, Speaking, if you you like... uh, uh, entertainment that's circled around women and their issues. The Life is Strange series is a really good one for that. Um, Also, we have... Hella good. Huh? Hella good. Hella good. Yeah. Uh, Because it's also set up the Pacific Northwest, if you you couldn't tell from that (laughs) reference. Uh, Finally, uh, Quip, uh, which is our Quit Your Pitching, is going to be dropping this Wednesday uh, for club members. And finally, finally, Uh, It's just just less than 48 hours left to participate in my Kickstarter for my book. Go to book.baldmove.com. I wrote a book with a religious scholar about the religions of Westeros as depicted in Game of Thrones. It's interesting. I I flatter myself to say it's interesting and funny. Um, And there's just 48 hours left to participate and get uh, the exclusive rewards. Um, We're like $250 away from a stretch goal. that will essentially double the size of the book um, from 45,000 words to 90,000 words. Uh, So check it out, book.baldmove.com. Uh, if you wait till Wednesday, it's already too late. It's funny too, because like in the beginning of the episode, like Alan and Adora, who they really hinted that Alan just come went in there and raped his wife. Yeah, and I don't,
1: do they do anything with that?
0: Just the next morning, how like you know Alan's back to being the loving submissive, uh-huh. and she's back to being this, the ice queen. And he's as he's dra- helping her dress, he's like, "This day is all about celebrating what about this town is unmovable," and he's talking about you know, this crazy Calhoun day, but he's just Uh as easily talking about Adora because like, there's nothing, you know, you can like, I, I don't know. It I was, mean, if it were up to the chief, the Calhoun
1: day wouldn't have happened, right? Adora here is the unmovable
0: yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The equation. Yeah, and honestly, I feel like the town got off easy, because I, I, like you, I was primed for Amma to be abducted. I was yeah. primed for a shooting. I was primed... Mm-hmm. Like, the, just a bare-knuckle brawl between the two leading suspects and the minds of the, <laughs> the, of the town uh, is probably getting off, getting off pretty easy. I think so. Um, but, yeah. And then, like, man, there's just... There's so many layers to this, like how are we feeling about camille 's editor now man he 's digging himself deeper the, every episode. This feels like a deep like this feels like a deeply enmeshed codependent relationship it 's mm. not healthy like it, I was kind of on the fence because I thought like when she called him, and this is something else I really identified for like she 's back in her hometown she 's been forced to spend time with her mother, and she 's like tearfully like every time I come here, I just feel like a bad person. Mm and he like you know kind of like tut-tuts and you know tries to smooth things over and i'm like well maybe he's good but then he tells her to go have a couple stiff drinks like you're just you're just enabling her mm. man and you don't i don't think like i'm i'm kind of more convinced about the theory we kind of touched on last week that this is as much about him trying to capture some kind of glory for himself and for the newspaper yeah. and to make you know, put a put an exclamation point on his life, which I might be over pretty soon because of the cancer or whatnot. Could be, but like, I just I I think I f- finally turned on this guy. I think he's bad news, and he does not have Camille. Like, I don't even know if if like if if he tells himself he does. I think he's lying <laughs> to himself, and I don't even know if he tells himself he does. No, thought, he he fucked up in this episode. I mean, he's yeah.
1: he's keeping. She's clearly cracking. And yeah. he's keeping her there. You know th- this whole idea of oh, you can just come home if you want to. That's another guilt trip. Yeah, that's
0: just a door an yeah, action can, there. Can, like you can quit, you can give up anytime. Yeah, it's like the SEAL instructor telling you. You to can ring disappoint the fuck. me right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Ring want the to. bell. Get out of here. I don't right. like it's. Yeah, good, tap out. Like yeah, and he's saying he's saying it
1: as as you know pillowy as possible right he's acting like he cares about it but he's keeping her in a situation that is very bad for her yeah and i'm gonna make a prediction i don't think camille's making it out of this this show you think she's gonna die i think she's gonna die holy shit bold prediction
0: i mean her her trajectory is not a good one yes uh no (laughs) it is (laughs) it is not it is not for sure uh, I just don't... I don't know what's the force that's going to kill her because... Well, well, I look at I look at that scene
1: where, you know, they're trying on the dresses. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, she busts open the door and she shows her mom her body and her mm-hmm. mom's like, uh, d- that... Uh, it's worse than I remembered. <laughs> uh, d- d- is it over? Yeah. Is it over? No, you bitch. It's not over. It's right. never over for Camille. Like right. That's the thing. She... You look at the scene she had with Alice, right? Mm-hmm. And she says, "No, it doesn't. It doesn't end. It doesn't get better. You just right. survive." And I don't think she's going to survive. Hmm. I think she's going to end up like Alice. She's
0: going to end up like all the girls in the town who are dying. That's. I, I so, I I kind of I mean I I don't think that's a bad take. I just wonder what's the mechanisms that's actually going to kill her because like mm-hmm. it seems like it'd be more likely a car wreck than like a murderer trying to kill her because she's yeah, not yeah. in the demographic. And
1: no, I don't think it's a murder. I think it's either herself or sure an accident maybe.
0: Um,
1: accident doesn't seem very poetic,
0: but I do want to talk about the mystery a little bit because there's very little of it in this 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 story. Yeah. Um, the the fact that like Camille. When she found out about Emma's phone, kind of homed in on the fact that you know uh, Natalie and Anne used to be friends with her, and I was really trying because I felt the next sixty seconds are pretty pretty crush to understanding like what kind of involvement. Because uh, Emma seemed guilty as hell, mm-hmm. um, and she seemed to be very dismissive about the relationship. On the other hand. You know, when kids say, well, that was last year, that was back, I'm in junior high, I'm in high school now, that was junior high stuff, and they still want to play in the woods and shit. Like, that rung true to me, too, because, like, a year ago to a child is, like, five or six years for us, just from how long they've lived and their life experiences and how quickly they change. Um, What's your opinion? Is that... Is this uh, Emma somehow being guilty and complicit of what's going on in the town? Does she know that her mom's <laughs> more involved with it? Is she herself the killer? I find Emma untrustworthy.
1: Oh yeah, th- yeah. in almost every regard. So when she says something, I instinctively don't believe her.
0: Yeah, I wonder if it's too late for Emma already. Like, if if someone were to take her out of this home and, like, teach her how to be with people, would she be able to avoid this cycle of being pulled into her mother's trap, or is it already too late? Because you can see her skillfully manipulating things uh, just like her mother. Mm -hmm. Um, Because that's what she's learned. And there's some moments of, like... Like, I thought when Amma begged Claire, uh, Camille to stay and said, look, if I can stay here, you can. I thought that was a genuine moment of, like, you know, misery loves company. And mm-hmm. I now, like, I've seen the depths of your misery through ex- expressed through your exterior. Uh, you know, you you got to stay here and help me fight this or something. I don't, and, and I don't I, know. And I look at how, I think, anyway,
1: from what we've been told, how Camille changed after the death of her sister. Mm. Um and and there is something to that. Maybe maybe if she had a partner in this bad situation, someone mm-hmm. to help see her through, she could come out the other side. But once Camille lost her partner in it, yeah. which was her younger sister, uh she turned to the dark side. She mm-hmm. started developing a lot of problems. Yeah. Um and then after that, you know, she leaves and Emma's all alone. Emma starts rebelling. Emma starts going down the path of Camille. I wonder if you know maybe her her sister hadn't died early on. Maybe mm-hmm. she would be a very different person. They they could have kind of weathered the storm together.
0: Yeah, I because like as Jamie T's been talking about on the forum, uh, I've wondered that too. Like when you saw that scene of like teenage Camille doing that kind of like jokey photo shoot, like you know being subversive about her mom's big day with the ivory taut ivory floors. And her sister's mm-hmm. kind of joining in on that, but then you see, like, the end product is Camille got shot, shut out of that shot, because she's too much of a, a tomboy. Also, right. I thought the timeline was interesting there. I am still going with the notion that Camille's hair, like, short tomboy haircut was a reaction to whatever happened to her in the woods with the boys. Mm, okay. Uh, but, so this was, like, post whatever happened at the shed, I think. Yeah. Um, but pre, like, when she, when she started cutting, I think. Um, but so like she's the, already kind
1: of a little fucked up,
0: right? Going back to Jamie, like that. The, there's like in, in a family with narcissists, and there's multiple children. The children all play different roles. Like there's the one that's the golden child, and then there's the one that's the black sheep, and then there's the ones that are kind of like trying to stay out of those t- twin beams of focus that you want want to be in. The golden mm-hmm. child uh is like it sounds like that's the way to be because you get elevated and you get showered with all the affection but it's not real affection and the most vicious kind of torment can come at because like if you shatter their illusion of you being this perfect being and you are going to do that mm-hmm. some point in your life you will shatter that illusion because no one is perfect uh you get you get the ultimate scorn and if you're the, the black sheep it's just unrelenting you just like always are you're the danny devito to the golden child's arnold schwarzenegger and twins you're always the like everything wrong about you know and like this that like i i'm very curious to meet camille's real father and i wonder if we actually will mm-hmm. i wonder if her real father is chief Vickery. <laughs> uh, okay because there, there are some comments there's in this some episode, catty yeah. comments about how the uh what the hell's her last Jackie, name I think. The, the the cal it's not the calhoun girls because that's her that's i guess she is a calhoun she comes from that stock but uh-huh. uh, and it's not preaker um uh, nah, shit I don't, I don't know their names. anyway it's like the girl they love their men in in badges yeah and that combined with what we found out about the flirtation between Adora and Chief Fickers. Uh, I I I wonder. I wonder. Chief Fickers. Does he? Huh. Does he seem like he's angry and aloof and unapproachable? <laughs> <laughs> Not really. But then again, why would I trust a thing that Adora says about a man who apparently rejected her or left her? Yeah. Like, she, like a narcissist would have to She's frame... She's rewriting the history. She would you know? have to frame yeah. that person as Lucifer himself, because anything else would besmirch her. Like, if there's something... Right. You know, if there's even... You know, most therapists will say, like, most relationship problems, the most blame you can assign is, like, a 55-45 split. <laughs> There's no way a narcissist would have that. They're not even going to take five yeah. percent, or, or they have a flaw. It's like I was too patient. I let them go too. <laughs> right. Like you know, their virtues become flaws. It's yeah. like in an interview, what's your weakness? Oh, I just worked too damn hard. Like it's uh-huh. all bullshit. Uh, I don't know. It. Uh, I, I thought that was interesting though, because we found out all this information about Camille's father and how you know that. It, it's funny because she also says in her, her color and temperament, like. They're all redheads, and yeah. they're all, like, fairly fiery disposition. Like, I think Adora just doesn't want to see that how much of her daughter is Camille and how much of her daughter is Adora. And, like, I I, I guarantee we find out about teen Adora and teen Jackie, and it's the same shit. <laughs> right. It's the same shit. Uh, Yeah, we did
1: see the, the cheerleader pack. I like what this show does with their... Glimpses of flashbacks, just right. to clue us in. They don't need a, some exposition to tell us, "Hey, right. these are cheerleaders who Camille grew up with." Uh, they just show it to us in a brief flash. And yeah,
0: and then and like it looks like they're all arrayed against Camille in judgment of yeah. going out into the woods, um, which. It's interesting because I don't know how much of a reliable narrator uh, Camille is when she's mm-hmm. talking to um, Willis, Detective Willis, because she said that, like, it's essentially the cheerleaders took turns being let out into the woods and, you know, being had had the boys having their way with it. Maybe not so much. Maybe. Um, yeah. There's also confirmation that uh, the teacher. Um, shit. What is that guy's name? Uh, 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 L- 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 Lacey. Kurt. Kurt Lacey. He is the kind of the boy we see in the flashbacks that, like, was pointing a gun at her and was, like, the first yeah. to start getting undressed. Uh, he is the guy that was storming out of the bars for, when people were, like, you know, talking about Camille inappropriately. And he seemed like he wanted to rekindle <laughs> things in an in, in, yeah. ill-advised way. Did, did, Camille was
1: not having any of it no no as she shouldn't she does not want to get sucked into this town right get the fuck out of this town as fast as you can
0: plus i just wonder if this lacy guy has like really like i mean we just we don't know enough yet about what exactly happened to camille but like the way she reacted to it um i don't know maybe she's just over like i don't know if this guy's married or not maybe she's over these guys like treating her like, you know, just because she was promiscuous at one point in her life that she's still, that's all she is about. Uh, I don't know whether, like, this guy's, you know, that this guy actually has participated in, in a gang rape of her and yet thinks it was, like, something that was what it wasn't. I, I don't know. He's right. an interesting guy.
1: Yeah, I'm curious what uh, their extended history is like, and maybe we'll get more on him. I think it's it's... I'm leaning toward, like, one of these... I guess football players mm-hmm. um, being the murderer here, but like, oh really? But it doesn't make sense. I, I'm I'm thinking of it like, okay, maybe they're trying to relive that stuff that happened back in the day with Camille. But th- but the victims aren't sexually violated in any way, so right. so that
0: kind of precludes that. And there's the woman in white. That's got to be significant.
1: Oh yeah, and that kid, um, James. James something. I don't know. We see him in this episode running, yeah. like, stealing a soda and presumably some food and running away.
0: Yeah, he, like, stuffs a, a swag bag full of stuff, yeah. and then he slams right into Ashley as the, she was storming out with John. Did you see that in the background? I, I didn't. His a background shot where he was, like, looking through his bag, like, walking, <laughs> and then she was walking out with John. They just smashed into each other. Nice. Um, I want to talk about Ashley because she... Clearly yeah. is an attention seeker. I wanted a- a- and she
1: says she knows things, but does she or does she just want the attention of people who think she knows things?
0: Yeah. No, I I I don't know. I just want to ask you what you make of I mean, Camille doesn't seem like it's a threat to her. Mhm. And who knows? Like cuz like when people say they know things like who the fuck? That the the what? Who knows what they what they know? She's talking about things about Camille. She's talking about things about Emma. She's talking about things about Adora. Mm-hmm. She's talking just like town gossip. She's talking about murders. Yeah, who knows? Because like mo- a lot of those things would not phase Camille in the slightest, but some of them would. Uh, Camille seems like she's more amused that this little wispy teenager is going to threaten her. You know, <laughs> right. with blowing her up. Um, uh-huh. I don't know. Uh, I was very curious to see uh why because i I guess she was wanting camille to take some pressure off john and this article seems i've done the exact opposite um and i will say that like i am the opposite of this article like i think that bob and john have nothing to do with this and Uh, like there's just no like does bob act like a guy who murdered his daughter he he acts like a very angry man and i
1: don't really blame him um I don't know. I don't know many people who've murdered their daughter. That's true <laughs> so, like, and like you know what is what um, does that
0: look like? What is a scale of human reaction, right? You yeah. just don't, you know. Like I, I think that Adora like screaming for Emma is a bit much, but that's I mean, honestly, if I just saw a woman that I didn't know what kind of mother she was, I'd like, well, I don't know. Like that's probably how not I would I I wouldn't act, but like mm-hmm. w- what is normal when your child's been abducted? Like, you know, is <laughs> right stone face, calm, extreme histrionics, like, it's all kind of within the human uh, performance envelope. It's just, I don't, I just don't believe anything Adora says because everything about her is performative. And there's, speaking of that, like, there is a lot of other, like, really interesting touches in this episode, like, when they're out in public and they're driving to the dress store and, like, Adora turns back to her children and beams at both of them. Like, Hmm. it's also been my observation, these narcissist people are very good at, like, demonstrative like displays of motherhood and fatherhood like when they're out in public being like the perfect dad and the perfect mom and showing their perfect family that but that all just disappears as soon as you get home and i felt like that was like what the hell are you grinning at you idiot oh my girls are together and i'm gonna go dress (laughs) shot when when she and i feel like she knew damn well what she was going to force on the situation before she even stepped into that that dress store Mm. yeah uh, no, I,
1: I mean, you, it's never more clear than when Adora steps out onto the the porch mm-hmm. for the first time. You know, she comes out of her house. This is her Calhoun Day face, and everyone's going to see the best side of her. Uh, every, it's hilarious. Everyone is welcome in her home that day, except... Don't go in her home.
0: Yeah, it's understand the fuck out of my home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It reminded me of like that passage in 1984 where Winston is like, uh, "There's no, of course, there's no law against (laughs) keeping a written diary, but everyone understands that the penalty for doing so is death." Like, yeah, everybody come into Dora's house, but like also no one set foot over that threshold. And like when she was explaining to her housemaid, like how there's multiple rings like the people invited inside the house get the fleur-de-lis and all this other stuff and the people they're in the tents they get like everything's like veg segmented on how close you can get to adora yeah and then everybody outside the tents they just get the plastic wear you know like (laughs) and she kind of like laughs like all the little people it's it's pretty fucking gross except for she does dip into the little people and get the mother who's got a a a baby with down syndrome so she can again performative it's not that she gives a shit it's just that she knows that plays well, and she likes to play well. And I found it
1: funny that she calls those mothers ladies, and mm-hmm. then she walks up to her friends and calls them girls. Yes, it, it's it's this weird thing of like the people who are most distant from you, like mm-hmm. l- just lifting them up the slightest bit, like giving them a little bit of respect, and demeaning
0: the people closest to you, so that they know who's in charge. I, that's a good. That's uh, uh, I thought you're going with the uh, the fact that. Um, Adora can't deal with the idea of her aging and getting older. Oh, probably that too. Yeah. And like she's saying, we're gir- we're still the girls. We're the veranda girls. We're timeless. Right. And we're and we're always going to be desirable. And these all these poor fucking cows. <laughs> Even though I'm twice as old as the ladies with their dragon udders and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And uh-huh. I was so I've not been really hip on the whole Jackie's part of the murderer, but I've been kind of like turning this around in my head and thinking. You know, what if Adora and Jackie were that that in group were part of the ones that murdered the the lesbian couple out in the woods okay. as some kind of like you know group conformancy, you know crazy uh, kind of weird man man kind of thing, thing. Yeah. yeah? Like it's almost a, a cult at this point, point. and maybe Adora doesn't have anything to do with this this time in the generation. Maybe this is like all stuff that because the first time we meet Jackie, she's wearing this like kind of diaphanous. Uh, White gown, and she's mm-hmm. drunk as sh- and she's high as fuck, and all that. I wonder if, like, <laughs> this is something that Jackie's like now that Adora's daughter's kind of mixed up at it, she's kind of like, Well, this is what we do in this town, and Adora doesn't have what it takes. Like, I, is it a power play? Is it? I, I'm starting to warm up today that maybe Jackie is part of this because my god, she's consumed with jealousy.
1: <laughs> she definitely is. Like, yeah. she
0: is talking so much shit about Adora, and mm-hmm. you know kind of leading that charge against the cat of the cat but on the other hand like all that catty shit felt very authentic for this set and setting too
1: yeah and I, I wonder where the line is between like pointing out Adora's flaws of which she has many yeah and going overboard with that and right. becoming just catty, you know, for the sake of it. And becoming suspicious, you know?
0: Yeah. No, there's, like, that whole, like, know. you know, that southern, midwestern thing. Like, oh, bless their heart, which is essentially a slur, slur a slur, a yeah. swear. Like, it's a way to run someone down and be like, oh, but they try. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's right. pretty transparently <laughs> passive-aggressive. But um, uh, what it, I want to talk about the uh, Calhoun day. And there's a neat subliminal thing where, like, the the... The stage banner that said Calhoun Day said Shallow Day for a split second before it dropped. Okay. Um, Emma drops a, ta- uh, drops a tab or a pill, pops a ecstasy or MDMA, and everyone, like, I thought that was an interesting detail. They're barely kind of keeping it together. <laughs> I see her
1: face when the battle's going on.
0: She's yeah. just, like, wi- mouth
1: agape, eyes wide. Yeah, like, what a spectacle this must be. Yeah, In yeah. front of her. And all
0: these people, like... <laughs> what a trip that must have been! Uh-huh. Brave kids, brave kids, taking mind-altering drugs and then trying to do this thing—foolish. <laughs> but maybe but you have to to like simulate, you, yeah. you know, Union soldiers raping you to, de- uh, to death or half to death. I guess they like, so somehow they they raped her, beat her, burnt her at the stake, uh, caused a, an abortion, but she didn't die. And then yeah, her her husband comes back. Yeah, and like, she like puts okay. out her leg flames, or, and she's yeah, she's okay. What the right. hell does that even mean? I don't know. You know, uh, everyone applauds. Um, What is Emma? There's a couple of scenes where she's conspicuously watching Camille and Willis kind of being cute and happy in the background. What is she like thinking? And again, keep in mind that she's like, high as fuck mm-hmm. uh is she like happy for her sister is she confused is she wanting to because like you know is she wanting to blow that up because we saw her be inappropriate with uh the teacher we've seen her be mis- uh, inappropriate with detective willis mm-hmm. uh what what is what's going on with her i don't know man uh i watched the after after the credits
1: thing yeah um where they were talking about this episode and they I don't know if this is the part you're talking about, but there's basically the scene where everybody's kind of looking at everybody, and the camera is just kind of looking at everybody, looking at everybody. Yeah. Um. And they're doing that to raise the tension
0: of what's going
1: to happen here. Is anything going to happen And the here? drums
0: yeah. of the stage are part of, like, just this ratcheting of tension. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, and they're not meant to, like, focus on any character and say that things are happening. They're just meant to—those th- scenes are meant to heighten the tension, and— is it part of those scenes? Yeah, no, because it, I it feel definitely like is. it might not mean anything. It might but just be that tension they're trying to create. I, I
0: feel like there's a little, I was frustrated by that after credit sequence because <laughs> I thought it was It's the director talking about it. It spent a lot of time saying nothing because like Uh-huh. You know, when you see Vickers staring down Bob and you see Bob staring down John mm-hmm. and you see uh Will staring down the three drunk good old boys and when you see Amma stare down uh, Camille, it is meaning something. Sure, like sure. maybe they don't know what it means. Maybe they're just getting interesting shots. But like you're supposed to take something. It's not. Yes, it also is a is a is a is, is a um a way to build tension. But it's not all it's doing. And I kind of wish I had because I, I just thought of all of the glances. All the other stuff seemed fairly transparent about like what it's supposed to represent, but. I thought um, uh, Emma was kind of, like, inscrutable in what she was, was looking at. I uh, also want to point out the deep irony of this uh, celebration of this uh, <laughs> Confederate woman standing strong against the Union soldiers raping her. They, they, they played out the battle hymn of the Republic. Mm -hmm. which was actually a song written as a way to rally uh, union troops against slavery. (laughs) Like if you read the lyrics, it's all about like, you know, setting men free and, you know, paying horrible prices to get that, that freedom. And it's like, you know, like, I feel like in nowadays, it's, this is generic kind of like pro America song, but no, it actually has a very specific time and meaning in in this country and how they, they add it to the end of this bizarre celebration of Confederate culture is just like the icing on the, the weird shit cake that they're baking here. Uh, do you think there are any connections
1: to make between, um, the couple of scenes that I noticed where the audio sorts sort of drifts out and gets very quiet and very yeah. muddy. Uh, one of them is Emma when she's tied to the tree and she's watching the battle take place and she's high mm-hmm. on MDA mm-hmm. or MDMA whatever she's on. Mm hmm. Um, the other time is when Camille is remembering the the ivory floor scene. Yes, a- and I don't I don't really know what they're trying to say by com- essentially linking the two girls uh, with those those motifs.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because I also thought there was a little bit of hint. If you want to find it in like maybe the photographer noticing Camille as a woman mm-hmm. that inappropriately hmm. and how like maybe in the fact that she's not in the picture like i wonder if like that and and again in the timeline i think where this is like a post cabin in the woods situation um you know is camille seeking out that kind of attention or is she just heightened awareness of the fact that she the male gaze is upon her like i thought that was an interesting aspect of it that the that the show like just showed again without comment and mm-hmm. it's 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 really intriguing and you wonder like okay what because like again three episodes to go it's amazing how much mystery swirls around the actual past of Camille and what went on in her town and her mother's past and also the murders itself. It's like, man, three hours of television is going to resolve all this stuff in a satisfying way. Maybe you're right. It's not. going to we'll be see. resolved but not in a satisfying way.
1: I don't think it's going to be sati- – well, it might be satisfying as a viewer. It might provide closure, but I don't think it's going to be happy.
0: Yeah. Uh, we haven't talked about the scene where Adora takes Detective Willis on her arm and gives her a tour of the house. Mm-hmm. Now – They left it ambiguous, but I find it hard to believe that Adora didn't spill a bunch of beans on Camille, and I think that Willis is being uh, kind by dismissing it and not talking about it. I felt like the ideas she put in
1: his head might have been enough for her, Hmm. Um, and that she might not have gone into details. She just says, you know... Their, this woman is bad yeah and
0: there are things that you don't know her about soul's her rotten. and that
1: gets the wheels turning in his head right and that's what she's there to do
0: yeah cuz like just going and saying like and she's got scars over her body and she was yeah. raped and all this would be like she's aware it, it's not the idea of taking someone's lover and and and, and cluing them in that the, that your own daughter's a bad person and war, it, it's not that's not the gauche thing like the thing that would be gauche or vulgar would be to be too explicit in how you're trying to say that yeah and you know? and it
1: might turn it might turn him from suspicion and like side-eyeing side-eyeing camille into full-on sympathy for camille And that is not what adora wants here right uh if you go if you go into the details he might start thinking in the wrong direction yeah essentially
0: yeah that might <sighs> Like I said, I I can't feel good about Willis and Camille, uh, Rich, R- Richard and Camille's relationship because it just feels like it's not going to be great for both of them, but uh, I don't know. I, <laughs> it's happening for all the wrong reasons. Yes, exactly, and it's happening way fast, and mm-hmm. it's happening in where both of them are in bad, lonely places in their lives. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it is going to be interesting to see, like, how he reacts, you know, like, her mother's... Ass- I mean, that's the sad thing, her mother's assertion that no one can ever be close to you, because if they're close, then they see you naked, and that implies that you're unlovable. And I don't think that's... Right. I don't think that's true. Like, I was thinking after the episode, it's like, okay, if I love the woman like Camille, like, I think it would be eventually, like, kind of a bummer that she can't be comfortable enough to show her body to me. Like, I am like, I, uh-huh. like, I think... There are people that would happily over overlook that or even see it as, like, an impressive thing. Like, my God, look at how much this woman has has gone through, and she's still capable of love and loving. But, like, then again, like, maybe Camille just will never be comfortable showing that aspect of her. Right. Because uh, it's, like, it's, it's it's not about, you know, what Richard's level of comfort is. It's about her own level of comfort and what it means. That, like, it's it's a very complex thing and, like, how that relationship to work is going to take years and years of like tiptoeing and and caution and and understanding and empathy and ah mm. it's uh i don't know i hope she finds that but it just doesn't seem like it's going to be the thing
1: no i think i think there's too much shame there to get over in three episodes
0: <laughs> no yeah for sure for sure um but uh is, is there why did Emma run at the end of the episode, just because she got spooked I, I think so, yeah, she People just, do weird
1: things when they're right,
0: on. <laughs> right. I liked how they made her eyes super dilated. did uh, you notice that I didn't but. like they I probably used in contacts because uh if you went out in bright sunlight with your eyes dilated like that you it'd be blinding, yeah, but her eye her pupils took up almost the entire iris <laughs> of her eye um, so maybe she just got spooked like like yeah. this so she was just turned the trip bad and yeah. She's like, fuck it, I'm gonna go run through the, the, the creepy cabin. Uh she also got banged up, scratched up. Uh do you think those are just from running through brambles, or do you think she's experimenting with her sister's method of releasing emotional pain?
1: No, I think that's just from running through the woods. Hmm. Hi. Uh if I'm if I'm spitballing here. And just taking a guess. Do it. She ran after she saw the fight between Bob and, yes. well, and I think John, right?
0: It's not quite clear, but I think, uh, yeah, that was the distraction that she then ran. So I, I guess, yeah, why else would she have ran? So
1: <laughs> going into Amba is the murderer territory. Okay. Uh, maybe she she thought the jig was up. Maybe she thought... You know, this is drug logic here. So maybe she sees the fight going on between the people that everyone thinks are the murderers, and she somehow gets it into her head that she's going to be sucked up into that. Hmm. Because all based on the theory that she is the killer, and I don't have much evidence for that. But then she runs into the woods to the place where Anna and... Uh, Natalie used to play. Uh-huh. Um, wh- I'm thinking, why specifically does she go to that shack out there? Is it simply to get away from everyone, or is it is it deeper than that?
0: It does retrace something, right? Because if that yeah. was, like, all kid stuff and she's over it, then why is that the first place she runs to when she right. feels, like, threatened by this situation? Um, and But also, she's also seemed kind of, like, fairly cold about the way the girl's death and all that. I it's it's tough cuz figuring out amma is, is only slightly or, or slightly less difficult than figuring out adora and yeah i don't know cuz adora is kind of like figuring out a lizard you know it wants what it wants it doesn't have any human empathy or emotion to kind of get uh and and adora's <laughs> a lot that too so it's like they're not hard to figure out but it's almost like you never know what stim- what, what stimulus you put in and what reaction you'll get out
1: Yeah, I feel like once you figure out who Adora and Emma are, which is pretty easy, like you said, you just forget them. You just leave them, you know? You want nothing to do with those people.
0: (laughs) Yeah, totally. And it's like... It's tough to do because like there's surprisingly little sympathy for uh, pa- uh, children that have like these sort of abuse. Like not like hmm. you know like there's all kinds of sympathy for like if your parents beat you with like whips or burnt you with cigarettes or you right. know yeah. got you shut you in closets and but like this kind of like just withering psychological abuse like people. I think people try to contextualize that with, like, oh, well, you know, I was a teenager, too, and I remember things being tense. So like, they're, they're normal, like, rebellion and people trying to metamorphosize into adults and, and and coming into friction with other adults who've seen it as their job to protect children with, like, truly pathological stuff. Because people don't have experience yeah. with this. And also... And that's
1: what Adora herself says about right, Emma.
0: Right, right. That's just being a teenager. Right. I think one of these articles I read... Um, uh this week uh around this 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 show was talking about how like i think psychologists say someone something like five percent of the population globally are what you would describe as sociopaths whoa um so like like one out of 20 of your kid your friends in high school probably had a, a one or more parents that had a, the, there was some sort of psychopath or sociopath uh but you would probably not know it because they're very good at hiding that stuff around other people. Hmm. And like the the family like I speaking as a, a child of a narcissist, like I myself was complicit keeping that family secret because like you just didn't act out in public. Right, right. Because like then, dear God, the shit that you would get when you got home, it's not worth it. It's not yeah. it's, it's not worth the cry for help because help's not coming. <laughs> uh and you know, even if an adult were to take a concern and be like, you know, are you okay? Like I just want to talk to you about they're gonna be like oh it's fine you know how kids are and then you get the real shit like it's like uh you know you learn real quick that there is no real respite from this other than to play the game survive and then once you get to be an adult, get the fuck away. Yeah, and, that's and, what I'm saying. And and, and cut off that kind. Con- like, but, but the, you know, like people in, are
1: toxic and they're not going to change. So,
0: but people like Camille just don't get a lot of. Especially, I think a person like Camille because she's just like anyone that sees her is going to see how obvious, like how much damage she has, and like probably give Adora the benefit of the doubt you know assuming that this but is a she wi- was dealing with a tough kid as opposed yeah, to yeah like look around. at this yeah. wild child my god she's carved up her body and like oh you're a saint for putting i'm, I'm sure right. that and that just just heaps the coals on poor camille's head mm-hmm. i don't have much more to talk about do you No. before we get to feedback i just want to say if you've enjoyed our coverage of sharp objects and the perspective we brought uh we really could use your support on our club club.baldmove.com uh we don't get a uh, a lot of advertising on bald move uh we derive most of our support from our fans which is nice because that means we're not really beholden to anybody we don't have to junk up our podcast with a bunch of ads uh we can just focus on doing the content that you guys uh, like and enjoy uh It's pretty reasonable what we're asking for as far as club participation if you go to club.baldmove.com you can get the whole pitch and it's not just altruism you get a bunch of cool features like ad free feeds vip access to the forums uh extra bonus content both audio and visual you can check out samples of all that stuff at club.baldmove.com and get a free 30-day trial club.baldmove.com all right we do have a healthy amount of feedback uh starting off with ask me at the library card from the forums I found this article about the episode from the AV club and I thought it spot on uh, with the themes of female pain. It's a good read. Also definitely check out uh, the Leslie Jameson article. If you're interested in these kinds of ideas and themes, because she's a great writer. This is an article uh, called uh, sharp objects presents a not so grand unified theory of female pain. And it's based on this article that Leslie Jameson wrote about the grand unified theory of female pain. And it's, you know, like I, I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast about how, uh there's a lot of tropes about, you know, women being deified and and uh perfected like the, the, like if you look at how writers describe these these damaged women or these dying women how they've never been more beautiful and like they've never been more desirable and there's even a little bit of that with Camille that like the thing that the same things that made her carve her body and uh, feel like she's unloved or was unloved by her parents are the same ones that make her like possibly sexually promiscuous or desirable by other men. Um, hmm. It's all, you know, the, like I, the way, <laughs> you know, things keep getting better and broad strokes, but also just like the more I find out about, I think the way we consciously and unconsciously view women in, in society, uh, the more it this seems really fucked up, so i'm going to post those links in the show notes if you guys want to take a look at it because they're very long and lengthy and and i it's hard for me even to engage with Jim because you've not read it, so
1: yeah, I don't
0: uh but yeah, read it read about, read that and if you guys want to in- integrate in your feedback for next week, that'd be awesome uh okay, so we got a couple of pieces of feedback before from the previous episode Ripe sherry s, after listening to your podcast on Ripe, you both seem suspicious about the fact that John went off into the woods for no apparent reason. Uh, when I watched the episode, I immediately assumed he had gone into the woods to get a spider. After John noticed the spiders missing from his sister's room, the next scene is his car pulling up, and he walks into the woods, presumably the place where his sister would play, and probably found the other spider. The next time we see John, he's putting a spider in the jar. That oh, he is apparently so. Damn. All right, I missed that. That seems that seems very like I, I was no. um, just- I was more of the line like he was just trying to get close to his sister again. Like, he's not returning to the scene of the crime. He's just... But, like, this this definitely seems like a legit explanation for his behavior hmm. that ties in with him being uh, chagrined to find the spider missing. The so. good
1: thing his sister didn't have, like, a more exotic pet. Yeah? That he couldn't just go out into the woods locally and find... <laughs> I doubt they have a pet store.
0: Yeah, but I like you know, Jack kept a lizard last year uh, that we had that, that uh, we caught in uh, our yard, and mm-hmm. you know, he caught him in the spring, let him go in the fall, and sometimes uh, he would just go out in the backyard and catch crickets. Like if you had a python, you'd have to go to the pet store and buy a pinky mouse or or whatever. But like you know, if you can just go out and find a bunch of crickets, why not? Mm-hmm. Free range crickets. Uh, Jamie M. If you had to choose your own mother to have raised you between Adora Krellin and Betty Draper, who would you choose? <laughs> I mean, probably Betty Draper. I think Betty is is more passive than Adora. Well, it's, so there's an interesting difference between like what the, there's two like um, types of narcissists. There's the grandiose narcissist, Adora. and then there's the wounded narcissist. Yeah, and Betty. I think you're right, but. <laughs> Neither one is good. Don't yeah, get me wrong. Yeah, like, from Betty Draper's perspective, like, if you found out that Betty in her in her early 20s had developed a bad cutting habit and had to be put in some kind of rehab, you'd be like, not Betty, um, Sally. Ah, uh, yeah. You'd be like, yeah, that sounds about right. Because it's uh-huh. not like one's better than the other. It's just how they manifest the the narcissism and everything being about them it's like you know like whether they're trying to pres- preserve this like superior image of themselves or whether they're essentially saying the world is out to get them and is trying to shit on them and hold them down it's just mm-hmm. two sides of the same fucking coin so <laughs> that's true i don't know uh, no good answer yeah here. flip the coin and 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 take your chances i guess uh, all right, moving on to new business. Uh, Bailey P's up first. Uh, this is feedback regarding to this current episode. Um, closer. I want to pass along a connection I had between Adora and Circe from Homer's The Odyssey. If you don't remember this character from your ninth grade English class, Odysse- uh, Odysseus, is that how you say it? Is it Odysseus. Odysseus? I think it's Odysseus. Odysseus. I, but I'm not sure. All right, I'm going to go with Odysseus. As okay. uh, men came upon Circe in the mansion in the middle of a dense woods. Around the mansion prowl strangely docile wolves and lions. Once inside, the men are drugged and turned into swine, and the reader realizes that the wolves and lions outside were also once men who had been enchanted. In Sharp Objects, Adora also lives in a mansion and seems to cast a similar emasculating spell over all men who enter, especially her husband, but even Officer Mustache is not immune. Furthermore, her name comes from the Latin Adorar, which means to worship. And, of course, she owns a pig farm. Not sure what to make of this possible allusion, except to say that it would seem to underscore Adora's power, and it really makes me wonder what role the hog farm is going to play in the overall mystery. Interesting. There was a lot of interesting imagery in this episode of, like, the cooks, like, flinging pig corpses onto the banquet tables to later feed the people. And you might be on to something, how this is, like, an almost... um, like a fell kind of magic that she's she's casting over to town. And there, I also like that scene where she's pulling up to her dressmaker and she's like, oh, look at those ugly... Like, you know, she's... Yeah. She's got this thing, like, oh, what does that... Oh, you know, it's like this, people think they need that. It's like, I don't know. Isn't it weird, though, like... Um, certainly, when you live in, in like, the, the quote-unquote city where there's crime, you see the... Like, you go in a, a C-store, a convenience store, and you see the bulletproof glass and the, the bars over the windows. Mm-hmm. But I also found it interesting. Like, whenever I go to Beaver Island, there's the one fucking department store. Or, that's not a department. It's a grocery store. And... You walk in there, and this has got to be the lowest crime of all of fucking Michigan because mm-hmm. you steal something, and what the hell are you going to do with it? You know, yeah, you know, <laughs> you're stuck on an island, right? Uh, but this uh, this has got the most aggressive like signs of like smile, you're on camera, shoplift and get a free ride in the cop car. This island has one fucking cop car, so it'd be the cop car. And I'm always like, how can you sit there and brag about how low crime? Your town is and your community is, but then have all this like heavily militarized shit in your store. Like, which is it? I feel like that's for the tourists. Like the,
1: you know, you get a whole bunch of tourists coming in. They're probably kids and assholes, and it's still all like... kinds
0: of people who are got to pocket something right, but like does that work? i mean I guess i don't i don't know it it's It's, it, it's just a weird contradiction between what you say about your town and your society yeah uh, like when tourist season is over to take all that shit down, I doubt it, probably not um, it's not worth the effort but yeah i mean it's it's
1: different in a town where there aren't their tourism is not part of the economy, right? No, no. So, Seems like it's
0: all hogs and civil war reenactments.
1: Right. Everybody knows everybody. What what do you need with bars in this town?
0: And I'm not know. talking about censors. Yeah, like. Right. <laughs> yeah. Actual bars. Uh, well, that one time when someone broke a window that the, back in the in, in the early 80s. The uh-huh. town's still getting over that one. <laughs> they are. Uh, Jason A, how long must it take to make up people to put all those words? Wait, hold on, let me ask you. Do you think they put those bars in after
1: the first killing? No after fucking Anna? way.
0: These seem like no. Nah. Okay. No, I, I, I mean, I don't know why I'm rejecting that on the hand <laughs> because there's no evidence. I because just... that's real crime. Like that's actual. That's true. Scary yeah. Like crime. there's yeah. there's women killing. But on the other hand, like we found out that this is like two women were killed a generation ago, right? And the bars didn't come up. So, or maybe the bars were up from that that. That That's the thing. Either I way, know.
1: I don't think the killings are happening in the
0: dress shop. <laughs> right. Right? Right, right. So what do you need bars for? I don't know. Uh, Jason A., how long must it take to make up people to put all those words on Amy Adams' skin? Do you think it's some sort of mm. Photoshop? I I, I imagine they, have,
1: they just have a whole bunch of these. You know how you, like, peel... Um, like temporary tattoos, yeah, right? Yeah. Only latex, oh, only made and, out of latex, sure. and ready to go with adhesive. And mm-hmm. they just real quick smash them on there and make up. Because most of the time they don't need them, right? It's only for a few choice scenes. That in they fact, need them. I was
0: actually thinking, watching this episode, I wonder if they took like one or two days and did all all of those these shots. body shots. Could be, you know, because like it it probably if it, it probably was several hours at, in the makeup chair, yeah, and probably wasn't super comfortable. But also, I guess if I was Amy Adams, like I think, if I had a choice, if I was playing this role and a choice between having my body actually heavily scarred up so I could like inhabit that, or just like, oh, we'll CGI in later, I, I think I would prefer the makeup. Yeah, like I every would actor say. I've ever seen, like you know, you think about all the people involved in the prequels that bemoan the fact that they're essentially acting in front of green boxes. Mm -hmm. Um, Versus, you know, like like the more realness you can add to the set and the setting, the costuming, (laughs) like, I think it would help her get into that that mindset and that role. I don't know. Yeah, and I I don't want to undersell Amy Adams' acting capabilities. No. She's
1: clearly a good actor. She could, even without the makeup, get into it. But it must be especially helpful when you're as beautiful as amy adams to see right. some kind of actual scarring on your body right to stand in front of a mirror and look at that yeah and like what I this get was my headspace. life yeah like yeah. this
0: is permanent this is something i did this is something i did in reaction to paint like i think yeah, you're right like i'm sure it have been an amazing performance regardless and if someone says sure. it's cg then there you go but like you take an amazing amy adams performance and you give her a little bit more fuel to the fire it just becomes more amazing or yeah so uh because like you know um actually i don't want to step on the i don't want to step on later feedback i almost I almost did so let's move on uh johnny truant uh i was ready to call bullshit on Emma's pinned eyes but the dilation scene was a nice effect <laughs> the whole play scene made me feel very uncomfortable the sound dropping in and out was a good way to portray the kind of disorientation that i'm sure she was feeling uh, question does alan wear a union general uniform i feel like there were some blue confederate uniforms but i'm not up on my civil war history regardless the mutton chops were solid uh no uh, Allen was wearing some sort of confederate uniform i don't know what the ranks were the mm-hmm. the union blues i thought it was interesting they put richard uh uh willis in that like deep blue navy blue that is like a union color huh. uh, although he's kind of is that the only outfit he has
1: Probably have I ever yeah, seen him in anything
0: know. but gray slacks and a navy blue button up? I couldn't tell you. Huh? Like you know, your suitcase holds like at least another shirt, right? Um, but yeah, no, I think I think you're supposed to understand that like maybe because they they talked about the scene where like Union and uh, Confederate soldiers drinking together. I didn't see it. Like the only Union soldiers I mm-hmm. saw are the, the three kids stomping around doing the the pre-show. Pageant, like marching pageant, and then them mm-hmm. doing the pantomime rape, which I thought was like wow when I saw it. Right, like Jesus man. Um, moving on, Groovy Dooley, uh, Jackie O'Neill was all over this episode. I find her activity startling, suspicious on first watch. I'm feeling you there, Jack uh, Groovy. I'm thinking she at the very least knows about everyone's dirty laundry, maybe up to and including the little girls. I will pair this thought with the obviously horrible words and actions on Adora's part. While well, I believe she was actually being genuine with Camille, it seems like she will say and do anything to maintain her ideal town and her place in it. Genuine with... So who is being... I guess... is You're talking about Adora, I'm assuming. And when you mean genuine, that's an interesting question. Because there is the question of how much the narcissist is aware of their own machinations. Like, how mm. much of this shit did they believe and how much of this shit is just learned, trained behavior that they're helpless to escape themselves? Yeah. Like, when she says to Camille, I never loved you, does she really mean that? And and what is and her does conception she think that's of a, love, anyway? Does she think that's a comforting thing to say? Right. To Camille? Right. Does she, like, does she walk away from the interaction thinking, boy, I really nailed that, or... Right. Boy, I really stirred up this hornet's nest that is my daughter. I honestly – I can't answer you that question Mm -hmm. because I would have to get into the mind of a narcissist and figure out – it's not like a cult leader. Does the cult leader really believe in Xenu or the aliens hiding behind the comet or is this a naked – or is this – are they truly deluded along their followers or is this all about power? Yeah. You know, did Jim Jones think all of his followers were going to go to heaven on the spot, or was he just knew the jig was up and he wanted to take everyone out with him because he's a raging narcissist? Mm -hmm. I don't know. And honestly, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. (laughs) Because I kind of treat him like a black box. You just observe him by the behaviors and and judge that way. Um, Anything to add, Jim? Nope. Marley Girl 84. It seems like the show really wants us to notice how much Emma needs to be noticed. She drops the bomb about Camille's article in the clothes shop when her mom wasn't looking at dresses with her. And when she doesn't get attention for her performance in the play, she runs off in dramatic fashion right to the dreaded shack in the woods Camille had asked her about earlier that day. intr I didn't, I didn't put that together, but I think she might be right. That it's... Attention! Like, literally all eyes are on her while she's high on Molly, and she's putting in his performance, and then the townsfolk's eyes are ripped away by what's going on with Bob and John, and she runs off because Hmm. she wants to be the center of attention again. That's a pretty good... I mean, I don't know if it's accurate or not, but it's a pretty damn good interpretation. Um, How she ended up so injured, they say from scratches. Was she cutting herself to get her sister's attention in a specific way? I'm wondering where they're going with this. I... I'm a little bit with you on that, Marley. Hmm. Um the fact that you were kind of seemed dismissive about her, the scratches she got in the cabin. Um I would I think it would be interesting to see if she is experimenting and it could be another like manipulation, like, oh she like does a couple surface scratches and like I'm just like you, Camille. Like again, how genuine is it and how performative, who knows? Who knows?
1: I mean she couldn't have she could have known that Camille was gonna find her out in there in the woods. Anybody could have found her um and i don't think i don't think when you're rolling you Mm -hmm. have that much uh you're not that with it you're not with it enough to calculate like hey if i put some scratches on my body i'm gonna make her feel bad about this like in my mind it's more about sensation Hmm. uh when you're when you're on molly so like you're not thinking in those terms. Mm-hmm. You're thinking in like, oh, look at the beautiful lights. Look at the colors. Right. Look how I feel. Yeah. Uh, that sound was amazing. Whatever. Right.
0: Less less so about the psychological manipulation. <laughs> yeah, but I've never been a girl like Emma dropping Molly either. You know, like, my experience with, like, psychedelics and, it's, like, mood-altering From what I understand,
1: are, Molly's very specifically, like, sensory-type stuff, yeah.
0: I saw, it, like, it kind of, like, maybe amplifies things that are already there, both good and bad. So, like, if she's, like, a little miniature monster, um, I don't know. Like I said, I, I, I it, it'd be hard for me to say either way. But I think that's that's plausible. Um, or, like, you know, the other thing is, like, she she's found in the cabin, like, in the dark implying some passage of time so maybe she's come down and she's like realized like kind of like what shit she might be into and is going to do this to take the heat because her mom is probably going to be like I don't know her mom seemed to be like instantly over it but like what if she scratched mm. herself just to be like look what Camille made me do you know to to play up the golden child and to play up uh, Camille's like black sheep status I don't know mm. I don't know. These 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 fucking women. They're uh just uh just a basket of interconnected uh, craziness and <laughs> and uh you know, it'd take uh it take a battery of psychologists to figure it all out. Uh Sarah Tatuga. It'd be interesting if they made it like a I would like to see a sharper a sharper sharper object. A sharp object that's um because it's interesting to see this reflected in women, but it would also see. I'd like to see like a narcissist mother or father with uh, boys, hmm. because it's it's you know it's not any less destructive. And I, I just realized when I said these all these cra- these this basket of crazy women that seemed uh, pretty misogynist, and I'm just saying. Like, I guess I think you these, mean
1: these three specific these these basket women. of narcissists
0: yeah. and people affected by narcissism. It's it's a mm-hmm. it's a it's just a it's a rat's nest that is very difficult to entangle. In fact, it's like I, I keep saying it's not worth it. Like if you're a child of a narcissist, I mean, get some therapy, see what the therapist says. But my vote is cut contact. Yeah, or put extreme boundaries up. Uh, uh just let, and and just do not let them trans- transgress at once. Uh, Anyway Sarah Tatuga The primal scream Camille made while in the dressing room of that store was breathtakingly raw There are plenty of horror movies with screams that sound like that But this was the scream of a traumatized and abused child Which is so much more jarring and visceral than the former And when Adora followed that up by casually telling Camille that she never loved her Hoping that would bring some comfort to her And in the pretense of being tender and honest Is clear why Camille has so much pain, rage, and self-hatred seeping out of every pore Oh, totally um, and that scene, like
1: the the choice to zoom in on Camille mm-hmm. in that scene while her mother's telling her that is right on. Yes. Because uh, uh, Amy, what Amy Adams is doing with her face and mostly yeah. her eyes uh, actually, her face is, is like stone. Yeah. But her eyes, you can yeah. see in her eyes, she's just fucking furious and hurt and like core, all of it. Yeah. And it's brilliant. And she's it's an but, but amazing, she's,
0: understated performance. She's going to maintain that ironclad control because she'll be damned if she gives her mother the satisfaction of seeing that she've hit any kind of target. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's great. But you can see like these how these feedback cycles, these interaction cycles, there's no healthy way to interact with Adora because, mm-hmm. again, Camille thought, I've got one up on this woman. I saved the golden child. She's going to be at least a little bit conciliatory to her. I finally have something on her. Not realizing that from Adora's perspective, being one down is terrifying, mm, and yeah. I'm not fighting from this moral advantage. So her, like, no, she's not going to do any kind of genuine thing. She's going to try to get Camille right back into that 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 box mm-hmm. and being back to being her whipping girl, and just to see it just caught Camille flat footed because I thought she thought she was going to get a genuine moment of like, well, I guess I was wrong about you, or like, you know, maybe you're the black sheep, but you turned out and she instead got the dagger right to the heart. God damn uh that's all the feedback we have uh for this happy little show sharp objects uh but fascinating show mm-hmm. uh, if you'd like to send in feedback uh, there's two ways to do it tv at baldmove.com uh also forums.baldmove.com each week we have a thread that's spoiler free from a book perspective uh please don't spoil anything from the books because we're aware that the story has been told in another media don't want that to infect our enjoyment of the show uh but go to forums.baldmove.com if you'd like to join in that weekly discussion and we will be back next week for another examination of the next sharper object. Uh, and hopefully, I, I said that we'd have that Castle Rock. I didn't have a chance to get caught up on that this weekend, so I want to try to shoot for next week. Um, so we'll talk a little bit of Castle, Castle Rock on next week's Bald Move TV, V We'll open up that laser focus a little bit back to the all television in the spectrum Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Later.